that's all right for you That's all right now mama Any way you do But that's all right winner of the Iris Prize. Congratulations. Wow, that's, that's quite overwhelming. <laughs> Head to our website, then click on Festival. This is where you'll find and watch all of this year's films. Hello, welcome to the Iris Podcast. This year, we're all about Best of British. Welcome to opening night of the 14th Iris Prize LGBT Plus Film Festival. For nearly two decades, Emmanuel Anyamosigwe's obsession with diversity has won the hearts and minds of filmmakers and audiences alike. His blueprint for how minorities should be represented has stood the test of time, long before the penny dropped for other institutions far and wide that diversity truly matters. This year, as Buff marks its 15th anniversary, the more things change, the more things stay the same. Never has diversity been more relevant than in 2020. And as long as the issue remains in the public eye, Emmanuel has ensured that for creatives everywhere, the British Urban Film Festival is a broad church that welcomes all creeds and all colors, comfortable in its own skin and bold in its approach to storytelling and showcasing film as seen through the social and cultural lens. 
From BFM to Buckingham Palace, it's been quite a journey for the man who literally bet the house on making Buck the success that it is today. Welcome to the British Urban Film Festival. My name is Claire Anya Musigwe. I'm the Marketing Managing Director of Bath. This is our 15th anniversary, 15th year festival, and this is the first time we've ever done it digitally. So we're really pleased to bring the programme to the world, actually, globally through the Apple TV app and via our website with virtual events like this. So today's Q&A is called The Laughter Zone. These films and filmmakers have made comedy shorts, which are all seminal pieces and fantastic. Can't wait for them to all tell you about their productions. And I'm going to start with Ladies First and also alphabetically uh, with Comfort. Welcome Comfort to the Q&A. Can you just tell us a bit about the name of your project and a bit of the synopsis? Hi everyone, so my name is Comfort Emmanuel. Um, my film was called Loyalty and Lies, um, where I was the writer, director, and it's essentially about two former lovers, so an ex-boyfriend and an ex-girlfriend, and they've had a bit of breakup and they go on a game show to compete for a jackpot prize. Nice one, okay, awesome. And moving on to Paul, welcome. Hey. Paul, you've got two films in the festival, so double congratulations on both um, selections. Just talk to us about Hungry Joe maybe first, and then um, it's shining. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, Hungry Joe isn't a comedy. That, that's a that's a social realist horror um, about a young boy that has an insatiable appetite that can't be sated by his um, single mum that's struggling with uh, the grips of poverty. Um, and then the one that's a lot more <laughs> breezier and happier than that is Shiny, um, which is about two working class kids uh, trying to cling on to their prized possession, which is a gold shiny football sticker. Oh, wow. So quite nostalgic then. Football stickers. That just took yeah. me from, like 1991 to 94. I was a massive Arsenal fan. There you and, go, man. That's those, it. Those, uh... those, those football stickers and conkers were the thing in the playground. So That's it, man. That's it. I mean, it's, it's a... It's a <laughs> It's a sunshiny summer holiday, nostalgic yeah. film about yeah, just two kids. A day in the life of two kids. It's coming age, coming of age film, really. But um, it's that sticker that pieces it all together. Yeah. Wonderful. And Paul, are you the writer director for both? Or uh, so for Hungry Joe, I was co-writer and co-director with my cousin, a guy called Sam Dorr. 
Nice. Um, he makes his apologies, sorry, for not being here today. Um, and then on Shiny, that I was writer and director, um, and also co-writer was Graham Willits. Superb. Thank you very much. And Bailey, Tom Bailey. Yeah. Uh, so that's my name. I'm Bailey Tom Bailey. My film's called The History of Nipples. Uh, it's about a man who finds out about a Celtic fertility ritual and starts to question the use of uh, his nipples. <laughs> Succinct and so uh, delightful as well. I think it's, you know, you're, this is the second time you've had work in the festival and your work really kind of is stunning to watch as all of your spits are. But obviously I think there's something about the way you work, uh, Bailey Tom, that really, um, I don't know, it just, it's just gives something to the audience that kind of really confronts them. It's quite shocking and, and pleasurable at the same time. So welcome back to Bath. Thank you. You're welcome. And Jason, welcome. I think you're in the States. I am. I am yes. in New York, Brooklyn. <laughs> New York, Brooklyn, what's happening? Amazing. <laughs> uh, just talk to us about your project, um, Jason. Certainly. So our project is Steve. It's uh, about a young woman living in New York, single and alone. And she finds a mouse in her apartment and has a complete meltdown about how to get rid of it, why she's single, and what is life, what is happening. Um, I was the director producer, but Amber Iman, who's also our star, is the writer and producer. And okay, superb. <laughs> Amazing. And so, I mean, mice in apartments in America, especially in New York, I mean, that, that is like, uh, if, if we don't have mice, why don't we? Do you know what I mean? They're sort of like uh, uh, unofficial uh, flatmates, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, they're everywhere. Yeah. Oh god, yeah, yeah, and also just while I just wanted to uh, congratulate you on, I've got a bit of trivia here about you that you worked on um, American Gangster as a second unit director. Uh, yes, I was the I was in a DGA a Directors Guild trainee on that, part of the assistant director team. Yeah, that was my first project. Yeah, I mean, what a first project to have! I love that movie. For me, it's almost yeah. like I have a bit of a sort of gangster slash romantic uh, comedy drama. Christmas every single year for the last 15 years and I would now add that after say watching The Godfather I'd probably watch American wow. Gangster it's right up there for for me anyway. Okay so uh, I'm Tanisha White and my film is called Stranded and it's a comedy film about two young men from the suburbs that go into the town of Birmingham for the first night out and then end up getting stranded and having to go on a journey home which is quite disastrous so yeah. um the reason the reason behind the film stranded is because it's actually a true story and even though it's not it wasn't funny when it happened to the person i actually couldn't stop laughing and thought yeah, i'm gonna make this into a, a comedy film and we've all been stranded once in our life so yeah really really cool okay brilliant so um comfort i'm gonna come to you first with regards to um your project what were some of the challenges you had around making this movie? Yeah, for sure. Um, so for me, I'm quite new to all this, so filmmaking. So just for a bit of context, I was my, I have a background in finance. So that's what I was doing up till like last year. And I decided, oh, I, you know, I hate what I'm doing. And I've always had an interest in kind of storytelling. So I went to do a short course at a film school. So I think one of the biggest challenges for me is that this is the kind of first project that I'd done. So a lot of, throughout a lot of the process, I kind of felt like I didn't really know what I was doing, but it was good because you're learning as you're going. Um, so that was definitely one. And I think also doing it on a kind of a tight student budget. And, you know, my film is set in a 
game studio, um, free actors. So just trying to get, you know, a small crew and the cast and trying to do that within a student budget and just figuring out what's happening as I'm going. I think, I think that was a challenge for, for me. Awesome. Brilliant. And um, same question to you, Paul. Challenges on Hungry Joe, maybe? Um, I mean, well, Hungry Joe, <clears throat> as with all films, you know, it was the budget. It was a five-day shoot um, and one night shoot on a budget of about, probably about 16 grand in the end. Um, and when it's, it was obviously, we've got a high-concept film, so there was a lot of emphasis on, um, not necessarily gore, but practical effects, um, three or four locations, a night shoot, a lot of actors. Because um, it's quite a high-concept film, obviously people are expecting to see a certain type of horror, you know? Um, and with that comes costs. So yeah, it is budget all the time. Um, and I think it was about a 19-page script that we smashed out in five days, so that was, that was difficult. Um, the lead actress, I think, I found it quite challenging because obviously the whole film rests on her shoulder. She carries the whole film from start to finish. Um, so she didn't, she didn't really get much of a break um, and being quite a depressing film as well. She didn't really get much respite in regards to kind of the stuff we were putting her through. And the same with the, with the guy. No, sorry, I was just saying, was it a well, bit, I mean, bit acting there where she was sort of not really, she was fully immersed in the project. Was you guys sleeping on set? How, how um, intricate was it? We weren't sleeping on set, but I don't think um, did she did she go home in between? I can't remember, mm. but she didn't. Um, she certainly came back every day with us. If she did, I can't remember if she, if she slept in a hotel room. To be honest, I can't remember. But um, she definitely kept it going every day of the shoot. So by the end of it, I, I imagine she went home pretty depressed. <laughs> um, and then the guy that played played the title character of Hungry Joe, you know, he's doing some gross stuff in the film. So I don't expect he's going to have a more challenging film ever in his career because he's had to eat some gross stuff and yeah, he, he didn't have a fun time of it. And then a night shoot two in the morning in the middle of winter and that was difficult. Yeah. Yeah. On a farm. Was it flip side and shiny? Was that was that a bit more easier to deliver? Well, I mean, it was it was just a, a much happier film. So the atmosphere on set was lovely. So it was kind of felt like a bit of a summer camp, to be honest. After being on Hungry Joe, it was a nice kind of release to just get back and do something a bit fun. Um, and we shot that on my council estate where I live. Probably the main challenge for that was the casting because all the kids in that film are street cast um, and none of them have ever done it before. So to kind of put that pressure on the kids and, and for the BFI, because it was funded by the BFI, that one. So for them to to fund it that way and let us do it that way that was always a worry and a challenge but um but yeah i think the kids bought it and and the kids kind of promoted that atmosphere so it felt like uh it felt like the school holidays even for us all as adults you know it felt nice just to be around a load of kids for a week on a on a on a summer on a summer week um where i grew up you know it's nice talk to me about uh bruce jones who was in cory he was <laughs> He's great. Yeah, he was. Um, we, only had, we only had him for the day, but he um, he came down and he yeah he, he's um, he's a proper working class down to earth guy. So he he had no ego. He rocked up. Um, like I say, we shot it on our estate. So suddenly we had a load of people. So oh, it's 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 him from Coronation Street and asking for photos and, <laughs> and all this kind of stuff. But um, Paul, where's your estate? Uh, it's a, it's a, where? It's a place called Hartcliffe in Bristol. Bristol. Okay, I, I couldn't work out your accent. Bristol. I wasn't sure whether I just couldn't get 
exactly where you were from was Bristol. <laughs> That's interesting. Okay. Is that a nice way to say you can't understand me? <laughs> no, I just couldn't. I can absolutely understand you. I just wasn't sure. There's a bit of like a Welsh twang there. And then a bit of like... Oh, Bris Merch. Bristol born and bred. Bristol born and bred. Awesome. Okay, no, yeah, yeah, just yeah. me for a minute because I've, I've, I've been to Bristol, but it, did, it just felt a bit Welsh there. So I wasn't sure... I'm yeah, like, um, I'm South Bristol. So there's like Bristol's divided in two. So you've got North Bristol, which is a bit posh. And then you've got South Bristol, which is, uh, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's my end of it. It's the council estates and the... Uh, yeah. yeah, well, that's where the, I'd rather be anyway. That's probably where all the creativity is. Yeah, man. Do you right, man. Yeah, perfect. Thank you so much for sharing. That's wonderful. And then yeah, maybe no some, what have we got in terms of challenges for this, this piece? Yeah, uh, so... Uh, as, as you said, the, the basics of, of time and money to start with. Um, I think the ones that were unusual, people kept getting cold. There's, uh, there's Celts who were getting quite a lot of skin out. And then um, my lead character has to take his top off. And uh, there was a couple of times when people were turning a little bit blue. So we had to um, <laughs> to kind of make sure they stayed warm enough and had something to eat and all that kind of thing. Um, I think after that was just, it was quite a long, production uh, post-production process because I'd shot it in a way uh I'd shot it in a way where I didn't have a lot of coverage I, I knew the shots that I wanted but when I wanted to compress things it got a little harder and then I had to teach myself how to do um quite a lot of visual effects stuff to finish it uh so that took some time but has been really useful and has helped me in the two projects I've done since so. it's been good awesome awesome glad to hear that you overcame that okay so we shot stranded in the summer so, and obviously it's about them being stranded at three o'clock in the morning after a nightclub's closed. So we was having to like wait till 10 o'clock for night. And obviously that's quite hard to, to like work around your cast and your crew because some of us are parents. So you wouldn't, you know, someone could be free, but someone isn't free that night. Or it was just hard having to work around the night time and having to wait all those hours to film. Mm. So we would be out filming till three, four o'clock in the morning. Um, and thank God it was a comedy because I don't know how we kept our spirits up, but we did laugh a lot. I don't know if it's because we were overtired. I'm not sure. Um, and and it was we were finishing just as it's coming up into COVID. So we were just like, you know, having to rush shots and panicking about, you know, going into a lockdown and things closing down. So probably didn't get everything that I wanted, but. I'm still happy with what we've got in the end. So, yeah, do a lot of comedy acting myself to watch the film once finished and edited to think, I can't believe I managed to write and direct a comedy film. Like you said, it's hard because you don't know who's going to like it. But I am, I think overall, I'm just proud of how Stranded turned out because and when you can crack up at your own thing, because, you know, you, you know, you, you sit there and you worry about what, you, how you're going to, when you do a film, like you say, you have your ideas in your head. Doesn't know you don't know if it's going to relay that on screen. You know, you know, you don't know if that's going to come across how you've got it in your head. But to watch a film, it's come out better than what I imagined. That's that makes me feel really proud as a director, to be honest. And Jason, lastly, any challenges that you experienced on your movie? Oh uh, yeah, I would say probably the hardest was the size of the apartment. We had like a railroad style apartment, and so two and a half days to shoot a lot of content and make the apartment look different and fresh and not look the, like the exact same space was a pretty big challenge. Um, kind of similar with everyone else, the amount of time and money was always a factor. Um, 
but it was fun. You know, I think probably the other piece was our mouse, Steve, was actually all uh, visual effects. So a lot of times Amber's just acting within a parameter of like a little mark that we put on the, on the ground or something like that. Oh, wow. Okay. So very, very creative. So in the, it was that green screen then, or how, how did you manipulate that on the post-production? We did a lot of plate shots. Um, so we gave it to our, our visual designer to work with. And then a lot of times when it was static, we just had a little green X on the ground and said, all right, Steve is Who right here. Mouse? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Really, really creative. Fantastic. Coming back to you, Paul, if you, when you watch Hungry Joe, obviously you've talked about the complete contrast of Hungry Joe to Shiny. Uh, thinking about them both now in contrast, but what was, what, what a, a scene from each film that you just think, this is, this is why we made it. This is the beauty of, of this production. What's the, the standout scene for you in Hungry Joe? Oh God, that's a difficult question. Um, I mean, I think I, as, a, as a whole, the performance of our lead actress, I'm, I'm immensely proud of. She carries the film for us. But um, I think that is, I think if, if there's one scene that she kind of, I think it's the scene where, I don't want to give any spoilers away, but there's a scene where... Oh, you can give spoilers, because by I the time it comes out, it'll okay. be out on Apple. Yeah. Well, there, well there, there's, a, there's a scene where her son tells her that she loves, that he loves her, and she just pukes up <laughs> as a result. <laughs> and, then, and then the kid eats her sick. Oh. It's, yeah, it's pretty <laughs> gross. It's a, really, it's a really gross scene. But even though that scene is obviously a bit crazy and high concept in itself it's really grounded by her attachment to that scene like that's a difficult scene to get an actress to to give you some really kind of in-depth emotional um interpretation of of why the scene's there when there's a, a messed up guy in front of you eating your sick mm, so, yeah. so i think I'm, I'm proud of her in that scene, but I think that that scene is is also the scene that um, sums up the whole film because you know descri describing that and telling you that people are going to go, you know, what, what on earth is this film like? That's time surrenders, but the whole film is grounded by um, an, an emotional um, internalization of of what the lead character is going through, and, and that's all carried on our lead actress's shoulders. So uh, yeah, Laura Baston, lead actress. Laura, I'm going to say, let's big her up, Laura Mason. Baston. Yeah. Baston, thank you, Laura Baston, big up, yeah, big up, big up. She's unbelievable. Because I know that the, the film itself um, is doing really well at other festivals and has won a few awards already, hasn't it? Yeah, it's just, a few it's, nominations. It's, it's traveling really well. I mean, it's, it was, it's one of those things because it's a horror, you never really know where to place it in the festival mm -hmm. circuit. Do you go for the horror festivals or do you go for the kind of BAFTA qualifying drama festivals like yourselves? And it was kind of, we wanted it to play to the critical audiences rather than just the uh, gore hungry jump scare audiences do you know what i mean yeah. um because we're, we're talking about socio-political stuff um and it's got emotional depth to it it's not all mm. about the horror it, even categorizing it as a horror bothers me a little bit because uh right. you know it's almost it, it's like it almost limits it a little bit yeah when it's so a much more yeah than just that yeah it makes, and it's actually funny hence why emmanuel's put it in 
the uh, the laughter category. The, Has he uh, really? He's put yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> he I mean, might have a sense of humour, but who knows? You know, like when everybody <laughs> goes away and watches it, they'll they'll, yeah. they'll At a lot of screenings. We've had some like laughs in awkward places. Like it's not <laughs> meant to be a comedy whatsoever. You know, it's it's just a crazy insane. <laughs> but I, I I can see what from making that film. You know what I realised? The line between comedy and horror is very thin. Oh, very thin. Very thin, and people are laughing at stuff, and I'm like, how is that funny? But then when you look at it in a different way, you kind of go, well, if, if you're thinking that way, then maybe you would laugh at it, or if you're a bit messed up yourself, or like you say, a warped sense of humour, then yeah, maybe. Yeah, no, oh, brilliant, brilliant. And the same thing with Shiny, is there like a seminal moment where you think, yeah, I'm really proud of this? Uh, it, it's, it's when our lead actress, Katie, nails the rap at the end. Because um, she'd, she'd never acted, she'd never, sung before and we had we had a rapper that wrote the song for her okay. and she had to she, she had to learn it and she and she just blitzed the whole rap in one take um on a wide lens she had nowhere to hide um and she nailed that and like the rap itself was like four and a half minutes long there's only about a minute and a half of it in the film but the actual whole thing was about four and a half minutes long and yeah she was so committed she learned she learned it off by art and, and delivered it with that attitude as well. So it wasn't just remembering it, it was remembering it and performing it. And feeling it. And she's only like 10 years old. So, wow. so yeah, she, she was um, just seeing all, all three of those kids dancing and her rapping from at the end. For me, that's the uh, thing that sums it up. Yeah. Three kids who've never done it before, just nailing that one scene. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Comfort. Same question. What is the, the moment in the film that really brings the whole story together that you're really proud of? Sure. Um, interesting question. I think for me, it's the second scene. Um, and this is going to be a bit of a spoiler alert, but they go into the game show and then you, you as an audience don't know what the decision is going to be, um, whether they're going to split the money or whether they're going to um, screw each other over basically and when you go into the second scene you find out they've kind of made a pact together on what their what decision is going to be so I think from a from a story perspective it's um, one of my favorite scenes because everyone the feedback has been people didn't expect the story to go that way and for me more on a personal perspective it's kind of my social commentary on um, on how relationships can pan out when you get infidelity in relationships so um, you know a lot of times when I have conversations just among you know, people my age group and friends, you know, if a, if a guy cheats, then you can have the conversation all like, oh, men are trash, you know, boys will be boys. And, you know, the girls kind of just expected to get over it. But in the film, the character kind of brings up the point, well, okay, if I, if I had cheated on you, would it have been the same? Well, you know, girls are trash, girl, you know, girls will be girls and, and you would just get over it. It wouldn't be the same kind of outcome. And so she uses that in a way to say, well, actually, I'm not going to follow through with this pact. I'm actually kind of pissed off with how things are. And, and then the story then takes another turn. So I think for me, um, it's kind of my favorite scene because I, you know, writing it, I wanted people to be able to discuss that. Maybe, you know, people will have a different opinion and not necessarily agree with that and say, oh, it's the same for men and women. But I wanted that kind of conversation to come about. And also in a way that is, is relatable, um, um, you know, for, for everyday kind of contemporary relationships as well. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my long-winded way of explaining. No, no, it's not long-winded at all. Yeah. I think it's really interesting as well because um, that kind of sense of realism, you know, in your film, 
would translate as a really great story afterwards, you know, about that debate between, you know, sort of battle of the sexes, what is, you know, considered a standard procedure for guys to be able to do certain things. And I think obviously we've come such a long way in society with, with regards to equality and what it means to be a feminist and men being feminists as well. And, you know, what's good for him is good for her. And, you know, whether it's uh, gender parity with regards to pay. And yeah. so obviously, yeah, in relationships, there's still quite a lot of massive work to be done, you know, in the sense of like, what does it mean to be a modern father or, you know, a modern mom, you know, a lot of dads now are taking say paternity leave and looking after the children at home whilst the women go, woman goes back to work you know so yeah. just the things that maybe our parents generation you know or beyond or before that might have thought was standard practice I think people in this generation are starting to question some of those norms and I think obviously you've mentioned that you're a student so you're right on the the edge of this um you're a millennial I would say aren't you yeah 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 and I think millennials <laughs> are pushing these sorts of stories forward so it's really really cool to have your movie in the festival well done thank you thank so you. there's loads of like shots that I like because obviously I shall get to show the at Birmingham like the, as it you know in in the night and all the lights and you know the boring and stuff like I love that but there was one scene <laughs> there was one scene where they're both very high in the scene and I just couldn't contain myself I couldn't stop laughing I would be like so sorry cut Cut, let me just have a moment just to laugh because they were so funny. They were just so natural at acting, so high, which is quite a hard thing to do. And so I felt very unprofessional as a director. I don't even know how they continue to work with me, to be honest. But they, when it, because I was thinking this scene is going to turn out, God knows how it's going to turn out because I can't even contain myself to direct it properly because I just keep laughing. So it turned out to be amazing, one of the best scenes in the film. But they said it's because I was so like relaxed and laughing that me laughing was them knowing that what they're doing was was right. So it it encouraged them to be the best in that scene. So naturally, by accident, me laughing and not being so professional made that scene that scene one of the best scenes in the film. No worries. And uh, Bailey Tom, proudest moment apart from obviously the gorgeous poster. <laughs> uh, so I, I mean, I, again, I think uh, our lead performer in particular, Joseph McNabb, was was brilliant. He's uh, has a great ability to sort of uh, do some quite specific physical things in this. Uh, he looks kind of a certain way almost all the way through it, um, but still be kind of receptive in the moment. Uh, he was great. A lot of the cast was really brilliant. Um, and uh, I think it wasn't really, I didn't expect it to be going in, but I think as the films come out and watching it with audiences now, there's sort of a sequence be between sort of the climax of the film, which is probably the most uh, graphic and gory part to, um, as this, I don't know, well, yeah, I don't know, people have seen it, right? Uh, anyway, between when he cuts his nipples off and uh, when he gets to a hospital that, um, goes from people squirming a lot to laughing a lot. And it's the first time I've ever really done anything like that. Mm. Of those two extremes and also been trying to get um, a visceral reaction from people and it did get a visceral reaction. Um, what's quite nice is that people can still 
afterwards will still come out of it saying that it was also thought provoking you know the end of the film take you know takes a bit more of a serious note and I suppose my um, intentions in making the film are a lot more that way so it's great that it's in a 10 minute film I've managed to you know uh, make people squirm laugh and, and, and come out thinking about what it's about which is quite a strange uh, concept of what it's about anyway. Yeah almost like a very high level concept for a feature film is that is that what you would have wanted if if you had more budget uh i guess so i don't know I, i've always pictured this one as a as a as a as a short but possibly maybe there's there's something that's related to it that i guess maybe you might you might talk about in a bit that's a, a feature that i'm developing and it's similar okay yeah and we are i am going to come on to that yeah absolutely. so um jason for you with regards to triumphant moments in the piece where you watch it if you've had it at festivals or obviously in the editing suite and you thought, yeah, this is the scene that brings the whole film together. What was that for you? Ooh. Um, I'd say, if I could say two scenes were probably the ones that really kind of cemented that for me. Sure. One of them was the, the fantasy scene with um, where she dreams about this fantasy guy that comes in the kitchen and is like making the, the perfect dinner and everything. And she wakes up and realizes, you know what, it's really on me. It's on me to figure out how to get over this problem. That was kind of like the nice turnkey moment for us. Um, and the other one was when her and her best friend are on the steps having like a whole just moment of just like being friends and just kind of escaping this this chaos in her apartment. Um, and that scene honestly was something we came up on the spot. We, we did the whole drum sequence in the park and then we were like, we need another moment in the movie Right. We're walking, it's about to be sunset. And I was like, well, let's just go in the steps and just improv a scene. I think this will work. And what came out was like, we're like, oh yeah, this is exactly what we needed in the movie. We didn't know we didn't have it till we were in that moment and seeing it in the edit really helped kind of bring bring home who she was and why she was and that kind of thing. And it, it kind of gave a nice reset once you're back in the apartment, a whole new level of chaos shows up, you know? Amazing, amazing. And so for, for you guys, my last question really is, if you had unlimited funds, what would your next project be? I'll come to Bailey Tom for that one first. Um, yeah, so probably it's, uh, it's, it's not like a massive budget thing, but it's just the thing I've been uh, developing for the last year, I suppose, um, while doing other stuff. Uh, it's called Sharp End, and it's about a woman who has a sexual fixation on safety pins. Um, orgasms from which uh, trigger transcendent experiences. And it's about how she uh, sort of tries to act on these experiences and kind of lash out against the modern world that she's living in. Um, so it's quite related in terms of tone to this film and where it goes. Uh, so yeah, I'm still, I'm still working on that one and it's coming together and hopefully in the future, uh, I might have a chance to make it. And that would that one would be a feature. It's a feature film, yeah. Um, yeah. There's a short. Yeah, would that be your debut? Would that be your directorial debut? Am I absolutely? To yeah. Um, well, if they if anyone wants to make it, there's other thing, another feature that I developed before, um, which I'd also love to try and get to people. Um, there's also a short of the film I just told you about that uh, I hope to see if I can get some funding for to to, to get it going. Um, yeah. So those are, those are the things that are on the table for me at the moment. Superb. And uh, Jason, next project, Unlimited Funds, what are we making? Uh, actually, we'd love to do a pilot with Amber. We've been developing this pilot around a Broadway actress making a, making a living in New York City. 
And it's just like a lot of high energy comedy that we love and would love to make it, you know, that's like the thing that kind of really would excite us and I think would excite people. Has like a broad city kind of feel to it, but with Amber as the lead and showing us the world of Broadway and how wild and crazy and unpredictable it can be. Super, cheers. Paul, we've got unlimited funds. What are we making next? <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, I've got loads of stuff in development kind of ticking over at the moment. We've got a feature version of Hungry Joe that's being shot, going to be shopped about in January. Nice. Um, hopefully someone else will pay for that. But yeah, if it was unlimited funds for me to do whatever I want with, I think it would probably... Um, you know what? I, 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 I get a real buzz from seeing local people, non-actors, people from my world, acting alongside famous faces. So like in Shiny, the little girl okay. with Bruce Humes, I love it. I, I, get, I get a real buzz of pride from that. So I think I just probably spend it all on, you know, a, an unbelievable cast, um, but they're, that are happen to share the screen with, with street casted uh, local people <laughs> as well. That, that's what, you know, Robert, Robert De Niro and, and, the, and, and my- And Joe Bloggs from around the corner. <laughs> yeah, exactly, do you know what I mean? Like, I, I love all that. So I reckon I just, uh, I'd spunk it all on cast and then just go and shoot it around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant, I love that, I love that. Comfort, what have we got in the uh, development drive if we had unlimited funds? Yeah, for me, it would be a TV show. So um, I'm kind of working on a pilot at the moment as well. Um, and it's about black students at university. Um, <clears throat> for two reasons, I think one in the, in the UK, we don't have many of the young adult kind of teen young adult dramas that we've had in the US so like things like the OC 90210 Gossip Girl those kind of stuff we don't really have many of those in the UK and also because I feel like a lot of the times when stories are centered on black characters in the UK it's about you know crime or living in the ghetto or struggling all that kind of stuff so I'd love to do like black students at university and just show a spectrum you know black students that come from really wealthy families you have you know people from disadvantaged families but just that won't be the center of the story it's more just university life drama relationships cheating finances all that kind of stuff I think that'd be cool and there'd be uh something we haven't seen before and, and it, a lot of people would identify with it. I think I'd really be interested in making a horror because we've had a lot of things happen in all of the houses that we've ever lived in. A lot of crazy ghostly things have happened to each and every one of us in my family. So I think we'd be able to make a, a really amazing true life horror feature like I love insidious and conjuring like I love those sort of things because it's ghost stuff and because we believe in ghosts I just feel like the stuff that's happened to us to be able to put that on the screen and it's true it would be quite I don't know scary I guess but you would be all like what what that happened to you that happened to your sister that happened to your mom so yeah I think horror I think a, a, a horror with that budget a massive budget, we'll be able to scare some peeps. Perfect. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining me. I want you to just all um, tell us your personal social media handle and the one for the film so that anyone who's watching this can go away, tap you up if they like what you've heard. Obviously, go away to the Apple TV app and watch your movies. I'll start with Paul. Um, so as a, as a collective, you can find us um, on most of them at, uh, at Shunk Films, which is S-H-U-N-K, Shunk Films. 
Um, Ooh, have you got your mobile with you? Because sorry, what we've been doing is getting people to bring up their Instagram or whatever it is. Well, yeah, no worries though. That's fine. I'm just telling yeah. you that you could do that if you want to. But if you're on your mobile, because I'm on the laptop, that's absolutely fine. All right. So that, uh, that, that's our. Can you see that? Or is it too bright? <laughs> oh, yep. And just hold it there. Yes, you got it. Wicked. <laughs> all of your production bits on there. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's the same name on Twitter and Facebook as well. Thank you very much. Tom Bailey, Tom. Tom yeah, Bailey, Tom Bailey. Uh, Sorry. Uh, it's not going to work. Okay, it's just my name. It's Bailey, Tom Bailey. It's what I'm called on here um, with underscores on uh, on Instagram. It's where I'm most active, but it's the same on uh, on Twitter. Nice, thank you. And Comfort? So I'm actually off social media at the moment, but I'll be back. I'll be back. And when I am, it's at, I don't know if you see that, at Comfort My People. Yes. It's Comfort. the wrong way around, but anyway, at Comfort My People on Instagram. I've only got uh, social media for myself and um, Instagram mainly. It's just Tanisha White one. Uh, Strandy hasn't got his own social media handles. Wonderful. Thank you. And lastly, Jason. Yeah, thanks. I'm, uh, I'm actually on my mobile right now as well. No but we can follow, you can follow the film at Steve the Short, and then I'm at Igby Towers, and then Amber, our lead actress, is at Amber Iman. Sorry, thank you guys so much for taking part in this q and I'm Claire Anyamo Segway, it's been a pleasure. If you wanna find out about these guys, follow them. You can follow them via us as well at Buff Connects. And obviously if you are looking for, you know, their films and everybody else's, you can visit our website, www.britishurbanfilmfestival.co.uk as well as uh, watch it on the Apple TV app uh, directly too. So yeah, thank you guys so much. Have a wonderful afternoon and take care. Bye. Thanks Claire. Thank you guys right, so much. Take care.